As you can see, we have a very busy church. Lots of good things going on around here, and we are so grateful for everything that's going on. Wasn't that a Uganda team amazing, what you saw there? I was, uh, like, like Rachel said, if that didn't bring a tear to your eye, there's something wrong with you. But we want you to know, City Kids Camp starts this week, and so right after this service, we're going to have a volunteer meeting. If you want to be part of that, come and be part of our volunteer uh, volunteers for City Kids Camp. Okay, we're going to be turning over to Psalm 8, Psalm 33, and Romans 1. And uh, I think that's, uh, oh, voter, voter information. For those of you who might want to just uh, want information on the different elections and different uh, things that are coming up to vote on, there's a voter's registration information table out there to help you. And uh, you might want to look at that and grab some information, so that'll be good. Okay, uh, so to start off today, we started a series last week called, How Do I Know? And it's dot, dot, dot. Last week we said, how do I know there is a God? And I told you I thought I had my worldview figured out when I got out of high school, I knew about God, knew about the Bible, knew about church, knew about marriage, raising kids, uh, budgeting, all that kind of stuff. I thought. I knew what I was going to do with my life. And then I got in a psychology class in college, and I'll never forget the professor, which happened to be my brother's father-in-law, who was a church attender, proceeded to tell us he didn't believe in God, <clears throat> but we came from monkeys and from the Big Bang, and then we evolved into human beings. Well, what that sent me into a, a tailspin because I never had my faith questioned, and I didn't know how to even debate the teacher in any way, shape, or form. So I came home upset with my mom and my dad for making me the way I was. And so I'll never forget my mom staring me in the eyes and said, oh, honey, maybe our faith isn't your faith. You might need to study it out on your own. So I did. And I gave you four questions that every religion, belief system, and worldview must answer as you go through life. These four questions should be answered. Whatever you believe, they should answer these. Origin, how did I get here? So that's the big question. People still want to know that. Even if they say they don't believe in a God, the big question I ask them, well, how did you get here? So they want to know. Meaning, why am I here? Or what's my purpose? They, nobody really wants to believe they're an accident. So again, that's a big question. And then number three is morality. How do I define good and evil. How do I know the difference? And then number four is destiny. What happens to me after I die? And so I said to all of you, the answers I gave you last week are my own, from my own studies, my experiences and my own conclusions from my life. And you may have a different point of view. So we're going to have to agree to disagree agreeably. All right. So I made this statement last week and I will make it again today. There are no atheists. And I gave my reasons for that. I would encourage you to go back, listen to the message. But someone sent me a picture this week, this last week, with a contemplating look on this guy's face. And he made this statement. To be an atheist, I would have to believe. Nothing produced everything. Non-life produced life. Randomness produced precision. And chaos produced order. 
And then he made this statement at the very end. I simply do not have that much faith. <laughs> and I would say, I would agree with that man wholeheartedly. So I was also talking to Dr. Brian McGregor this week, and we were talking about evolution and, and how it, it, it just isn't logical. Now, you're talking to a very learned man. I would call Brian a genius in many ways. And so uh, he said, imagine walking in the woods and you come across a pencil on the ground. He said, you pick it up and the first thing you think is someone's been here. It's, it's wood, made of wood, has lead in the middle, it's been painted, it has some letters on it, has an eraser at the top. And so common sense would say, someone made this and someone has been here. And then he said this, if you think that is logical, then go home and look in the mirror. Look at your hands, look at your eyes, look at your nose, your face, and, and, your, and everything you have that God made. And then it seems it's only logical. Somebody's been here. Somebody made me. And I thought that was a great illustration. So uh, I still, though, after all those uh, questions were answered, I still had more questions when it came to creation and the stars and the planets and the galaxies and the universe. So I went to the Bible uh, to answer those questions as well as other resources. So my heart today is to help you see uh, or help your view of God completely be blown up like never before how big God really is. And the second thing I hope to accomplish today is that you leave here today with confidence that our God is able to hold on to you and keep you together no matter what circumstances you're facing in your life. So let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, and let's make our prayer declaration together. Hold them up high. Don't be ashamed. Be proud of your Bible, all right? Let's say this with me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive, and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be, and I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So the more I search, uh, I discovered, and you can write this down in your notes, our God is infinitely big. Psalms 34.3, it's not in your notes, but it says this, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And that's what we were doing during worship today. No matter what your circumstance has been, no matter what you've gone through this week, you can come in here, lift your hands, begin to rejoice in the worship of God, and all of a sudden, your problems get small, and he gets big in your life. So God is a big God, and he's bigger than anything or anyone you can imagine. Psalm 8 says this in verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all 
who oppose you. Then there's verse three. When I look into the night sky, you might try this tonight, and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place. Just remember next time you look at the moon, God's finger put it there. And so here's an interesting fact about the moon. Before we landed on the moon in 1969, I was in ninth grade. Evolutionists believe the moon was over 3 billion years old. They also believe there could be at least 150 feet of soft moon dust piled up on the moon from all those years. So just how many know dust can pile up pretty fast? I went into my closet this morning. I saw a hanger on the right that I hadn't touched for a while, and there was some severe dust on that. On that, uh, I thought Lois hasn't been in here and clean. And <laughs> just kidding. That, that was my my problem. So anyway, the du- they thought the dust had piled up 150 feet. They built the lunar lander with large soft pads so it would not sink into the soft dust. That's our golf cart out there, so I'm doing something. And so when they landed on the moon, there was less than three inches of moon dust and not enough to plant the American flag in it. So what they did is they took a moon rock, pounded uh, pounded on the, the flag stick, and then put moon rocks around it to hold it in place. So what surprised them, and you don't hear about this, is that by their faux pas, really, the, the moon is less than 10,000 years old according to their wrong calculations, just so you know that. So next time you're in some class and they're telling you evolution's real and we're billions of years old, tell them to look back at the moon landing and uh, straighten about a little bit. All right, verse four goes on to say, what mere mortals that you should think about them, talking about God, thinking about us, human beings that you should care for them, yet you made them only a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and their herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the flesh, or, or the flesh, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. By the way, do you know how we discovered to do shipping in the world? It was because they discovered there were ocean currents, and that way we could deliver goods faster by ships. That's where they discovered it from this verse. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. So our God is big, he is majestic, and his name fills all the earth. Psalms 33, 6 says this, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. So just so you know, the stars you see up there just came from the breath of his mouth. But here's a kicker. Romans 1, verse 20 through 23. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything uh, God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. 
It's there. It's right in front of you. you. You can't say, gee, I just came from a blob. I went from glue to glue to you. No, it didn't happen. It, 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 it was, there's obvious order there. Verse 21, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Just so you guys know, that is demonic powers blinding people's minds verse 22 claiming to be wise they instead became utter fools and instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles I don't know why anybody would want to worship something that you're greater than Anyway, so the word of God tells us the visible world testifies about our invisible God and about his invisible power, and we have no excuse when we look at the order of the galaxies and the universe to say there had to be some intelligent being that did this. So I want to take just a few moments to talk about four stars that God placed in the heavens above us, and most of this information came from Louis Giglio and came from the Hubble uh, site.org. It's on your notes down at the bottom. I would encourage you to look this up uh, later so you can learn more about it. But uh, he talks about four stars, and here's the first one I want you to see so you can just get a glimpse of how big God is. First of all, the sun. This one is one big star in our solar system, and uh, there should be a picture of the sun that's going to come up here. And just so here's the world, the earth, and there's the sun. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about this. Genesis 1 tells us, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And light came out of God's mouth at 186,000 miles per second, and the sun is 93 million miles from the earth. So just so you know, that means it takes eight minutes from the sun to get to the warmth on your face every day just eight minutes. So uh, for you, you'd say, man, I wish the sun was a little closer. No, you don't. It's 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit just on the surface. And I want you to know, our God is a big God and he placed it right at the right place so we wouldn't burn up, all right? Now remember what Psalm 36 says? By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. So the sun is so intense, we don't want to get any closer to it. I, I like the way Louis Giglio illustrates this for us by using a golf ball. So somebody gave me these crazy golf balls. This is a picture of one eye and sticking the tongue out there. But they, it was the bum gardeners that gave me this as a Father's Day gift, actually. But uh, so I want you to know that for the rest of this sermon, as we talk about the planets and stars, I want you to know this represents the earth, all right? So he, he goes, if the earth were a golf ball, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter, which would be three feet wider than this screen. This screen's 12 feet. Now here's what I want you to see. If the earth were a golf ball, this would be you. Do you see that? I don't know about you, but that makes me feel small. 
And when we start thinking, oh, you know, God's no big deal. God's just there. I just want you to know, you are small. Now, I just want you to see that there, if the earth were a golf ball compared to the sun, the sun is so big, you could fill a school bus full of golf balls and put it inside the 15-foot sun. It's just one of hundreds of billions of stars inside the Milky Way galaxy, which is our little cul-de-sac uh, uh, and our little cosmos that God made for us. Our God is huge. Our God is big. Our God is amazing. He's a star-breathing, finger-painting God. That's the, way, that's the way I could describe. Okay, here's the second star. It's uh, Betelgeuse uh, or something like that, but I cho- or you can say it Betelgeuse, and that's what I call it. So you can think the sun is big, but check this out. This, this star is 427 light years away. Now, in case you don't know what a light year is, that's how far light travels in a year, which is 5.88 trillion miles a year. That means that this, is, uh, this, this Betelgeuse is 427 times 5.88 trillion miles away from us right now. And the crazy thing about Betelgeuse is that it's twice the size of Earth's orbit around the sun. So if the Earth were a golf ball, Betelgeuse would be the height of six empire state buildings on top of each other, which is about one and three quarters miles. That building is 1,454 feet above the ground, counting its antenna. So you could fit 262 trillion golf balls inside Betelgeuse. So that would be enough golf balls to fill up the Superdome in New Orleans 3,000 times. I just want you guys to see how big God is. Now, I don't know about you, but that should baffle all of us, and I like the way Louis Giglio said it. He said, it baffled him so much to realize how big Betelgeuse was, is that he said, I couldn't believe that I, 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 my prayer life has been advising God, counseling God, correcting God, suggesting things for God and to God, and drawing diagrams for God. I'm telling you, your prayer life should change today. Here's star number three. It's called Musifi. It's 3,000 light years away. You will never sing twinkle, twinkle, little star the same way again. Here's the way it goes. Twinkle, twinkle. How I wonder what you are. Up above the world so high, like a diamond in the sky, because that's what it looks like when you look at it. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. I wonder what you are. Well, let me tell you what Musifi is. I'm telling you, God made stars so amazing that, that, that you will never be the same, I hope, today. If the earth were a golf ball, this star would be the size of two Golden Gate bridges from end to end. It's so big, you could fit 2.7 quadrillion Earths inside this star. So I don't know about you, but I, I barely can... 
understand a million dollars. And the only reason I remember that is because the old Beverly Hillbillies, you know. Uh, Jed became a millionaire, but I just want, you know, here's, here's, here's the way to, it helps me understand. A million is 1,000 times 100. A billion is 1,000 times a million. A trillion, you should know this, because we're getting close to our national debt now. A trillion <laughs> is 1,000 times a billion. A quadrillion is 1,000 times a trillion. So here's another way to look at it. How much time is a million seconds? You got it. 12 days ago is a million seconds. Okay. A billion seconds. How much time do you think it is? It's 32 years ago. Be around 1990. Now, how about a trillion seconds ago? 29,700 BC. So a quadrillion seconds ago, at least 30 million plus years ago. So Musifi is so big, you could put 2.7 quadrillion Earths inside this star. But guess what? That isn't the biggest star. You would think, well, that's got to be the biggest one. No, the Hubble telescope, which is 327 miles above the Earth, orbiting like a satellite and giving us these images. By the way, there's a brand new, uh, sa- uh, new telescope that's going to go 1 million miles into space. So in the next few years, we're going to discover things we've never even thought possible. Uh, just our God is infinitely big. But here's the granddaddy of them all. It's called... Canis Majoris. And I think this means the big stud star. That's what I would call it. All right? So this star is so huge in light of mass, nothing compares to it so far. So if the earth were a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest. It's like, uh, I've never been to Mount Everest. Well, how many saw Mount Rainier in the last couple of days? And you can see, Mount Rainier is just right around three miles above sea level. Mount Everest is over six miles above sea level. Look at at Mount Rainier and double its size. That's how big uh, Mount Everest is. And guess what? It's the highest point on our planet. And if the earth were a golf ball, you could fit seven quadrillion Earths inside Canis Majoris. (laughs) So if the earth were a golf ball, that is enough Earths to cover the entire state of Texas 22 inches deep and you are on one of them. I don't know about you, but this baffled my mind. When you look at all these planets and you look at all these stars, you realize how big our God is and how small you and I really are. And yet somehow, in our smallness, we think we are big and God is on our level. Blows me. Sin has had a way of making God small in our minds and puffing us up in who we are and who we think we are. And, and just a small glance into the universe, you realize 
everything about God in us in a blink of an eye, he's far bigger and you're far smaller. Then we realize when we do that, we realize we are worshiping God that no one rivals, that is bigger than anything. There's no equal to this God we serve. He's almighty, he's all power, powerful, he's all knowing, he's all everywhere at all times. There's no one like him in the whole universe. He's not a teeny weeny tiny little God. You are teeny weeny tiny little person, all right? But the most amazing thing about today to me is not how big and how great God is, but that God would create someone like you and me and love us so much. James 4.14 says, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And yet, God has marked you as one of his, his, he's marked you with majesty and created you in his very image. The God who, God, the God who breathed out light and is a star-making God and a finger-painting God put the sun and moon and the stars in our galaxy in place and throughout the other galaxies, he fashioned and formed us and he put us here on purpose for such a time as this. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So here's the second point. You are a miracle and extremely special. Psalm 139 says this, verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He wrote a book about your life. I, I don't know about you. That should just say, thank you, God, that you did something like that. Verse 17, how precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be numbered. In other words, God made all this, but he thinks about you day and night. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand, and when I wake up, you are still with me. This star-breathing, planet-making God, galaxy-making God made you and thinks about you and me all the time. So let's just go back for a moment to the beginning of your life. One cell from your mom found one cell from your dad. And by the way, the cell from your dad had to fight like crazy to get to your mom. She was fighting off all those cells, but one made it through uh, because he had that fight in him. So those cells were each carrying 23 chromosomes. Each one was carrying one half of your DNA. And when they merged, they became one single cell. Upon that merger, they began to form a brand new DNA code uh, using four nucleotide and wrote out, listen to this, wrote out three billion, a three billion character description of who you are. That, that just happened. They wrote out who you are in the language of God and they described who God made you to be. And they say, uh, scientists say this, if you were able to read your DNA, 
just one character per second, night and day, it would take 96 years just to read the description of you. That's amazing. And that description and picture has never been painted before, and it will never be painted again. You are uniquely you. I'm telling you today, you are a miracle sitting in this place. There are 75 trillion cells in your body. And every three seconds, 50,000 cells die and are replaced by 50,000 new cells. And guess what? It's happening day and night your entire life. No wonder we're tired all the time. You and I are miracles. In the womb, miracles are happening every second. Now, let's just look at a picture of you at five weeks and five months. That's you at five weeks old. And then when you switch it over to five months, that's you. Those were the good old days. That's when, when you really had life easy, all right? And so uh, what happens in those situations, here's some miracles that go on inside the womb. One is that one million or a million optic nerve endings left the, left the optic nerve center of your brain, heading for a million optic nerves that had left your eye. And they had to meet and match their exact partner. And in that instant, you had sight. And anyone would tell you the most technically advanced organ on, your body, on, your, on the planet Earth and in your body is the human eye. And even though you could see, and didn't you, it didn't do you any good because there was a piece of skin covering your eye. And here's the thing. You'll find this in medical texts and books and journals. Mysteriously and miraculously, around the sixth month, a little cutting device. I tried to find the name of it. Nobody even knew what to name it that I could find. A little cutting device appeared in the womb and it made a perfect slit. And that's what gave you eyelids. And for the first time, you could see in your mother's womb. That's why it says in Psalm 139, you are fearlessly and wondrously made. And the God who made the heavens and the earth fashioned you and put you together. Isaiah 49, 16 says, he has engraved his name on the palm of his hand. Now, Revelations tells us he holds seven stars in his hand, but more than that, he holds everything in his hand, and yet he's written your name on his hand. He not only knows your name, but he knows everything about you today. He has also made a promise to those who trust in him. And he will literally hold them in his hand and carry them all the days of their lives. Psalm 33, verses 13 and 14 say this. God looks down on the earth and sees all mankind. Of all the things he's made, his eyes are on you. And from his dwelling place, he watches all who live on the earth. And then verses 18 and 19, the eyes of the Lord are on all those who fear him and on those who put their hope in his unfailing love. Verse 19 gives us a promise. Why does he do this? To deliver them from death and keep them alive 
and famine. Folks, I don't know what's in store. I don't know if we're going to have gas in the days ahead. I don't know if we're going to have food in the days ahead. But my hope is in the unfailing love of God. All right? Now, this week, I just want you to know, People need a promise. They need to know that in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of all the thing that's, things that are going on in their lives, they can, they can count on a God who loves them. This week, I attended three funerals, one wedding. I've been doing a lot of burying and marrying. And next week, I already have one burial and one wedding to do. And uh, I just want you to know, the world needs hope of a God that's in your life. They need to know that all the things that are going on around them, in the midst of all the chaos, there's somebody that can hold me together because there's a lot of pain going on. And God's making a promise this morning. He's saying this, I'm a universe maker, but I'm also a heart former. I'm also big enough to be intimately acquainted with all the circumstances in your lives. And I promise you, let's clear my throat. And I promise you, no matter what comes in your life, no matter how difficult it is, the ro- the, how difficult the road is, I want you to know this. I will literally hold you in my hands and I will see you through every circumstance that comes your way. So if I were some of you this morning, I would be saying, well, that's really nice, Pastor Doug. Uh, I'd like to know, how's he gonna do that? So we have, to do that, I wanna show you something you have to look a little deeper into the human body to find. And it's a little protein molecule called laminin. Now, yeah, let's, let's hear it from laminin. Come on. I was talking to a, a gal who's studying molecular biology yesterday, and I asked her if she'd heard, heard of laminin. She said, no. I said, you need to look it up. And she did. She goes, oh, that's so cool. Well, laminin is a protein adhesion molecule that holds our body together. It's like the, the rebar in the concrete that when you're uh, pouring concrete for a foundation, it's what holds the concrete together. Laminin holds your membranes and everything else together. It's the, the glue of the human body. So I looked up laminin, and the first time I saw it, I couldn't believe it. It blew my mind away. Would you, would you like to see what laminin looks like? Okay, here's what laminin looks like on the screen. Here it is. That's laminin. That is the, uh, the, the microscopic uh, picture or image of the actual protein molecule. And here, here's the thing that's crazy. That's what's holding your body together. Now, God, somebody said to me the other day, well, you know, you can make a lot of things about the cross. Well, yeah, you can, but I can tell you this. God could have put any shape or size of anything, but he chose a cross to show you and me. That's what keeps you together. It's pretty amazing. So as I look at this image, my mind goes to the words of Paul, the apostle, where he's talking about the greatness of God, and he says this in Colossians 1, 15 through 17. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And then verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I don't know about you, but I love laminin. 
I love the fact that it reminds me of the cross and it leads me to this cross illuminated in my life that a God who died for me holds it all together. Not just me, but all the galaxies, the universe, everything. He's an amazing God. So, <clears throat> so here's how you know God will take care of you because he loved you so much that he's so big he became small enough to die on a cross just for you and me. And now you and I have hundreds of millions of little crosses inside these bodies of ours keeping us together, holding us together all the time. I'm telling you, we serve amazing God. And I just want you to know, that's why I believe there is a God that is huge and infinite and infinitely small. He is an incredible God. Let's stand. On your notes today, you, you can see at the bottom there the places you can go to check out everything I've said and, and more. But every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know this. You're not here by accident. You're not facing anything that's, not, that's, that's too big for God. There's, there's no problem, no circumstance, no situation that God can't say, I've got you in my hands. I've got you in my palm, and I'll take care of you. So I'm in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand to commit your life to Christ. And if that's you, like I said, you're here on purpose. Whether you think you are or not, God brought you here for this day. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. I need to get my life right with Christ. Anyone here like that needs to, needs to give their life to the Lord? Anyone here? All right. Well, that's okay. There, oh, there's one. I see one. I see two. Thank you. Thank you so much. And by the way, we had set, I see three now. Thank you. And we, we had seven people in the first service. That's not counting people online. And by the way, if you're watching online, just put over on the sidebar, I gave my life to Christ today, all right? And put your name there so we can send you some information. But here's, here's the thing that uh, I, we do here. We, you're, you're not coming to Christ all by yourself. We're doing this together. When you pray this prayer, you come into the family of God. We want to help you grow. So pray this prayer with me by faith, everybody. Father God, Thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, and all my failures. Come into my life and be my savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my king. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. <clears throat> so here's what we're going to do now. If I can have the altar workers come on up. just want to take a moment. If there's anything that you're facing, sickness, disease, marriage issues, finances, uh, whatever it might be, relationship issues, uh, or, or you gave your life to Christ, Come up and tell somebody, and let's get it right with God today. Let's go after God with all of our hearts. Let's worship and get some prayer. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are.
Hello, that was me, not you. I'm sorry. Aren't you glad we serve a way-making God? He's incredible. He's, he can change any circumstance you're in. And I'm just telling you today, I can't wait to see what God's going to do through you, outside these four walls, in your neighborhoods, in your streets, around your, your, your places of work. God is going to change people's lives through you. By the way, I just happen to have several golf balls. Anybody want them? Anyone else want one? You got to come get them. I'm not going to throw them. I could just see. Okay. Yeah. Now, when you go home, I got extra. Can I get it? You want it? No? You sure? All right. You want it? Good job. Now, I got one left. One left. Anybody want it? Okay. Here's what I want you to do. When you look at that golf ball, just remember that's the earth and you're on it. And you're not very big, but you serve a big God. Let's raise our hands and surrender and let's just tell God we love him. Father, we come before you thanking you for giving us such an amazing savior and reminding us always that the cross is what holds us together inside our bodies, but it also holds us together outside every circumstance we face no matter what it is. We thank you. We serve a star-breathing, finger-painting, amazing God. Bless each one now as they go their separate ways. May we make a difference in this earth that we're on. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. You're dismissed. God bless you. Have an amazing week.